Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Matt McLaren, who is the host of the Matt McLaren Show there at W Jocks in Birmingham, Alabama. And Matt, it's been a while, man. We appreciate you joining us. How are you doing this afternoon? Good, man. How are you guys? Well, we're doing good, man. We're doing good. And uh, I guess we can just start with the elephant in the room. I'm sure your radio show is had a lot of reactions and a lot of stuff going on with this Brandon Miller situation. And just like we have just pretty much across the country when it comes to this topic of discussion, but you're right there in the thick of it. And I know you've been covering it a lot, but just uh, real quick, give us your thoughts on this whole situation. Did you feel like it was handled correctly by everybody involved? Do you feel like there's more to it? Just kind of give us your thoughts on that. It's an interesting situation. That's for sure. Was it handled correctly by everyone involved? That's where I think the question is up for debate. Legally, Brandon Miller has done nothing wrong. He was never charged with anything. He was never under investigation. Based on the evidence that is, again, not just available to us publicly, but the evidence, and keep in mind that law enforcement, the DA, they have more evidence than we've even been given publicly. And based on what they have, they're, again, the assistant district attorney for Tuscaloosa told us earlier this week before the bail hearing, or after the bail hearing, rather, that there's nothing to charge Brandon Miller with. He did nothing wrong. He broke no law. So when you look at it from that standpoint, then it becomes there's no legal issues here. Legally, Brandon Miller is in the clear. He's not going to be charged with anything. There is no evidence whatsoever that incriminates Brandon Miller in any way in this. So then it goes back to me, should Alabama have done something? And that's the, I think, the question where you could say, okay, well, maybe they should have suspended him for, uh, what was it? Maybe it was that Vanderbilt game, I think, was the opponent right after this came out. Maybe they shouldn't have allowed him to go on that road trip to Vandy and and Missouri and play in those two games. But if the information was given to them at the time, okay, this guy was there, but he's not under investigation. He's facing no charges. He didn't break any laws. What Alabama's thought process of, oh, well, we'll suspend you. And that's where I think this gets sticky is suspend you for what? You didn't break any laws. We were told by law enforcement that nothing you did was wrong, and they're not charging you with anything. They're not even investigating you. So is it you were at the scene of a crime, which I understand that. If that's the argument, you were at the scene of a crime, regardless of whether or not you were involved, we're going to suspend you for a couple of games. The problem to me now becomes they did not do that, So I don't know what the point would be of doing it now when we have much more information that has been put out there publicly based on all the information. If you guys heard Greg Burns' uh, comments to ESPN the other day revealing some of the things that they had found and then some other things that have been put out there, that Brandon Miller is facing no legal trouble from this. And so I... That's where I, I, I it is, people are so quick to jump to conclusion on this because of the headlines on ESPN. Brandon Miller provides gun used in a murder. And so when you read that headline, I think immediately you go, what, how is this kid playing? Like, what? This is outrageous. And it would be, except he was never charged with anything, and there is no evidence whatsoever that supports Brandon Miller being charged with anything, which is hard for people to understand. How can that be? NATO's got into uh, a bit of a trouble because of his choice of words. And uh, so he was scrutinized for that. And now it seems as if, you know, he came back, he did the apology, and then he's put it out there where he pretty much isn't going to answer any more questions. But do you expect that 
he's still going to be questioned about it regardless of if, you know, it's known that he just kind of wants to move on. He's still going to get questioned about it. I mean, they're, they're going to pepper him, I would imagine. Everybody wants to know more. And the key, I think, and this is, this is part of what also makes it so difficult, Brandon Miller is not on trial here. Brandon Miller, there's nothing that he's, again, they're, according to the Tuscaloosa assistant district attorney, this, she's put this out there, he broke no law. There is nothing to charge him with, and there's nothing coming. So then it becomes, okay, we want to know more about Brandon Miller. Well, let's keep in mind that there is a criminal proceeding going on on two people, Darius Miles and Michael Davis, who committed capital murder and have been charged with capital murder. So we want all this information about somebody who's been charged with nothing. I don't know how much that they can legally give us or what they can put out there without damaging the cases that they are building against the two people who were actually arrested and who are in prison and who have been charged with capital murder. And I think that that's where this gets really weird because Brandon Miller is a name that we all know. He's Alabama's best basketball player. He's one of the best basketball players in the country. And we want to know, okay, well, he's connected to this. Let's ask all these questions. And from a legal standpoint and viewpoint, how much are they able to provide us with answers to that without damaging their cases from the people who actually committed the murder and who are charged in this case? And it's very difficult for Nate Oates when he's sitting there going, I don't know what else I can offer you that's not already else that's not out there. That, again, keep in mind, you're asking me questions about somebody who is innocent based on the law. There, there has been nothing that he's been charged with. It's a, it's, a, it's a very difficult situation, I think, in Alabama right now. And, well, here's a question I have for you, Matt, and I don't know if you'll be able to answer it, but it's something that I, I've just been curious about because I don't know much about that area of Tuscaloosa or the situation as far as who is involved. But, uh, I mean, it seems like just kind of diving in deeper to the actual crime that was committed, like, how does something like this happen in, in Tuscaloosa, a college town? Because I try to relate it to when I grew up in Fayetteville, which I know there's two different cities, but it's like, you know, this type of stuff just never happened. I mean, it was never even got escalated to that point, at least to our knowledge. Is this something that in Tuscaloosa, maybe in that area, or maybe uh, has there had problems with this type of violence where guns and, and being shot and all that stuff is something that is uh, maybe a little bit more col- common in a college town compared to what it is in maybe some other college towns? I don't think so. I mean, if, if, if we were talking about Austin, then I'd say yes. But we're talking about Tuscaloosa, which is similar to Fayetteville. You know, I forget the name of the area that you guys call right there by campus that has all the bars and stuff that's right there. Maybe you call it the Strip as well. Dixon that's Street. What they call it. Yeah, and, and it's, it's the exact same thing in Tuscaloosa. It's called the Strip in Tuscaloosa. It's not a part of campus. And there's been some confusion about this. Like, oh, well, he had a gun in his car, whether he knew about it or not. You can't do that on campus. He wasn't on campus. And so this is, again, it's right next to campus, but it's not considered a part of the University of Alabama's campus where this strip of bars is and whatnot that, you know, I mean, we all know what college kids do. I did it in college. I imagine you guys did. You hang out till the bars close, and then maybe if you're lucky and you still didn't find anybody, you're just hanging out late hoping to run into somebody on the street. I don't know that – I think this is very rare. I I think – that's probably what has caught some of the, especially Alabama, off guard with how to handle this. Obviously, Nate Oates, Greg Byrne, what they should have done perhaps in hindsight. Because you don't have, again, Darius Miles was on the team. Darius Miles was a player on the team who has been arrested for capital murder. That doesn't happen very often. I mean, much less at Alabama to any collegiate program. And so this is an area where, it's again, it's like any other 
little section of bars in any smaller college town in the country where you go out, you have a few drinks, you hop around, hit a couple of bars, you flirt with the girls, and when the bars shut down at 2 a.m., you, you go back to your apartment or whatever it is, and, and you're hoping for a great night. So were the people involved, and again, I'm just asking because uh, I'm just not aware of it, were the people involved, were they in? Were they at Tuscaloosa, like from the Tuscaloosa area? Were they all students there? Were they kind of people that came from out of town there? Just what are some of the details about as far as what you know from people who were involved? Apparently the actual shooter, Michael Davis, was a friend of Darius Miles from Washington, D.C. area, where Miles was from, who was in town visiting him and or lives with him or something, and the, the people who were involved, obviously the young lady who, and that's the tragic thing of this whole situation, is a young mother was killed for no reason whatsoever, just because of a disagreement, which is just appalling. She was from the area. And so from the understanding that I have from it, there was some sort of a disagreement where they got into a verbal altercation that Brandon Miller was not there for. And again, Brandon Miller had dropped Darius Miles off at this bar on the strip and didn't go in with him, he left and went and got some food. Darius Miles had been texting him for a while to come pick him up, and Brandon Miller finally decided to go and get him, and he was already on the way to pick up Darius Miles when there's this text that everybody I'm sure is familiar with, and I'm not going to use the lingo they use, bring me my joint or whatever, basically bring me my gun, I've been disrespected, and that's my words, not the actual text. And that's where everybody's going, oh, well, he, he showed up to give him the gun. Well, Brandon Miller got that text at 138. Police were called at 145. He was almost there to pick up Darius Miles when he got that text. What we don't know is, did he read the text? If he did read the text, did he know that he was talking about a gun in his vehicle? And again, people go, well, he had to have known. And I've always thought, well, if that's true and he knew, and he knew what he was going into, walking into a minute later or whatever it was, then why isn't there anything to charge him with, which the Tuscaloosa District Attorney's Office is telling us there's no evidence here supporting a criminal charge, which would lead to the belief that, Barry, that, excuse me, that Brandon Miller truly did not know the gun was in the car, as his defense team is saying. He didn't know the gun was there. Now, some of you, and I understand it, it can be a stretch, like, oh, come on, he had to have known. I get it. Seems like you would know if there's a gun in your car. But if your buddy gets into the car and jumps in the back seat and he's got a gun and then hides it under some clothes and you had no idea, again, the fact that he did not get charged with anything and law enforcement tells us that there's no, there's no law broken leads to the belief that he truly didn't know that the gun was there. And Brandon Miller went the next day, talked with police. He's given them his phone. He volunteered his phone. He volunteered his dash cam footage. They have all that evidence, and everything that they've seen, most of which we haven't, they still have not decided to file anything or say that he broke any laws, which I think is telling. Matt, has there been any discussion about now that this has all happened, about Alabama players being in that area and probably staying away from that area for a while because, uh, you know, you're thinking about safety issues from maybe a, a retaliation with players being around and somebody actually targeting them at this point? I haven't heard anything of that nature. I wouldn't be surprised if it's kind of been stressed to them. Again, you want to say be smarter. Pick your friends wiser. Don't put yourself in situations like this. And I think this is the hardest thing about this case is Brandon Miller did not go to the club. He dropped this dude off, went and go ate. He went and had some food. 
and he comes back. If, if And I know this is hard, and most people don't want to believe this, but there's no evidence that he knew there was a gun in the car. If he truly didn't know there was a gun in the car, and then when he arrived, Darius Miles reaches into the back seat, takes the gun out, and gives it to Michael Davis, you know, how do you eliminate yourself from those types of situations if you, if you honestly did not know? Is it, okay, guys, look, I know that you're grown. Again, these are over 18-year-old men. Brandon Miller's 20 years old, even though he's a freshman. Do you tell these guys, hey, you can't go to this strip. You can't go and participate in the nightlife that every other college student is doing. You, ha- you need to, if you're going to go do that, I, I want you back by one. I-, I don't know what the answer is to where you could eliminate this from happening and, and how, how do you teach young people don't put yourself in situations like this? If Brandon Miller, again, in his mind, I dropped off this teammate of mine at the club. I'm not going to the club. I'm going to go eat and then I'll come get him later. Speak with Matt McLaren of the Matt McLaren show here from uh, W jocks on the Jones and Sun Diamond and Brattle fine jewelry hotline. Well, Matt, uh, just kind of transitioning and going into the game itself between Arkansas and Alabama, obviously, uh, that's been kind of the the shroud cloud that's been around Bama basketball, even though they've been incredible this year. Just what do you make of the season so far and also going into this game against Arkansas? Razorback fans, I'm not saying they're confident that they're going to win, but they're confident that they can at least go in there and give it a game. Uh, just what do you think of the matchup and just of uh, Bama and the success they've had so far? Well, Alabama plays the way they played the other night against South Carolina. Arkansas will win this game. Because, and I was talking about this today on the show, they need more than just Brandon Miller to show up. Of course, as you guys know, Miller goes off for 41 the other night. The rest of the team combined for 37 points. That's a rare showing. The last time we saw Alabama do that was against Oklahoma. But Alabama couldn't hit anything, and OU was hitting everything on the floor, and they got blown out. This is an interesting matchup. I mean, personally, I think if you just look at these two teams, Alabama's the better team because they're better offensively than Arkansas is. Both these teams are very good defensively, as you guys know. Alabama has such length on defense. They have depth. And that's really been the one thing that has led to what they have put themselves as a one seed in the tournament right now. They have such depth where, okay, the whole team is going to suck in the same time and only score 37 points. Brandon Miller goes, cool, I'm the best player. I got this. We've seen nights where Brandon Miller isn't hitting anything. And then Mark Sears or Gurley or Clowney I mean, you go down the list, Burnett, who was a starter at the beginning of the year, gets hurt, comes back and is not even starting in the starting lineup anymore, comes off the bench now. They've got these guys to where they can hit from the outside. They're a very good three-point shooting team. Auburn tried to do this a couple of weeks ago. All right, you're not going to hit three. Alabama says, cool, we'll go into the paint and score at the rim. And they had, I think it was 44 points in the paint in that Auburn game a couple of weeks ago. They rebound very, very well. They're one of the best rebounding teams in the country. This is a difficult team to beat, especially when they're home. When they're on, and you guys know this, I mean, you watch enough college basketball, if you're going to have a team that shoots 30-some-odd three-pointers a game and hit 40% of them, that's very difficult to beat just because of the volume of threes that you're hitting on that. If they don't hit their threes, you got a shot, but they can beat you in other ways. And the fact that if they're not even hitting their shots offensively, they're so good on defense that they can grind it out. We saw that in the Houston game they played earlier this year against physical teams. That being said, and, and as everybody listening in your audience knows, getting Richie Smith Jr. back for y'all and kind of what that provides, I think, and you saw it a little bit against the Georgia team the other night that obviously is not one of the better teams in the SEC. I do think this is an interesting matchup. Where, where is the mental state of this Alabama team at 
because Arkansas has the guard play to be able to take advantage of that if Alabama doesn't show up to play tomorrow afternoon. It does set up to be a great matchup, and uh, it's hard to compare games simply because maybe there's more credit to be given to South Carolina. Alabama escaped, but Arkansas not too long ago escaped South Carolina with uh, a slight you know, advantage and a win, a close win there, and they follow that up by beating Kentucky on the road. So maybe there's more credit to be given to South Carolina here, and uh, we're looking forward to a great matchup with these two teams. Maybe, maybe. I, I, I don't know if I can go there on South Carolina. It, it, I will say, I mean, you look at what they did the other night against Alabama, and they had a lot of open shots, but even when they didn't have open shots, I mean, they hit a three-pointer as the shot clock was winding down, totally off balance, just desperation heave, they switched. They hit that shot at half court at halftime. It was just a couple of things. Like, South Carolina hit some shots the other night where I just was like, man, like what is going on? Because you just don't see teams hit shots like that usually. But that being said, I mean, to your point, at some point, the game's the game. It's the same players, and South Carolina showed up to play and almost got the job done, and Alabama was lucky to survive, quite honestly. But I do think tomorrow, and I've thought this all year, I think Arkansas is much better than their record indicates. I think that's proven in the net rankings and in Kim Palm and the metrics when you look at that. They've had a rough go with injuries, but Arkansas is a dangerous team. And if Alabama doesn't show up ready to play tomorrow, as we have seen them do at times this year, saw it against Mississippi State a couple of weeks back at home in Coleman, if they don't come out of the gate ready to play, Arkansas will beat them because Arkansas is a very good basketball team. Well, before I let you get out of here, man, just kind of give us your opinion on predicting as far as what's going to happen in this game. Do you think Alabama wins this game easily? Is it a close game, but they still win? Just uh, how do you feel like the mindset's going to be for the team and the atmosphere, and what do you think actually ends up happening? back after everything that's going on is going to help them tremendously you know brandon miller carried them the other night when the team just did not have it mentally and like i said if you go all the way back to mid-january when this case first developed and darius miles was kicked off the team and all that came out you know you look at it the first game after that news broke the team did not play well against vanderbilt but brandon miller went for 30 and 10 and carried them and then in the very next game they were on the road at Missouri and they wiped Missouri off the floor and it was a much better team effort. I, I kind of feel like maybe they just needed a game, a buffer to mentally clear this. Now they're at home. I, I think Alabama wins tomorrow, but I think it's going to be a good game. Yeah, I think it's what most people are kind of hoping for. Both teams, they have some history. And I, just from what I hear, Nate Oates and Eric Musselman are exactly the best of friends. But hey, that's what makes it a lot more dramatic and should make it for a very entertaining game. But Matt, as always, man, we appreciate you joining us. Great stuff. Enjoy the game, and who knows? Maybe we can see each other in Houston. Wouldn't that be a lot of fun if these two teams made it down there? That would be wild, man. I'm all for that. If you guys if you guys make it and, and Alabama makes it, then I will definitely see you in Houston. Yeah, absolutely, because Alabama needs uh, need to be good in a sport for a change. You know, they, they really need that, you know, instead of uh, being good at football all the <laughs> right. time. But, yeah, it's great, man. But we appreciate it, Matt. Have a great weekend, my man. All right, thanks. You guys do the same.